Welcome to the MX Podcast featuring Dan Roberts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the MX Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah Bledsoe. Hello, Sarah. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Now I'm going to try to foster an introduction to you, which please correct me, but you're a former international model, former booker mm-hmm. in New York, founder of the Model Kind brand, essentially a big sister to models out there everywhere. Is this right? I'm, I'm going well. Yeah, I love that. You're doing great. <laughs> so, and uh, I've discovered you via TikTok. I don't know why a middle-aged straight man was on TikTok, but I discovered you via TikTok, all these amazing advice videos you're giving to models. And uh, we have mutual friends. So I'm just, uh, I had to ask you on and I'm so honored that you're here. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for finding me and asking me to be a part of this. I'm so excited to be able to have the opportunity to share more. Cool. Well, we had a conversation last week, which I loved chatting with you last week. So um, yeah, same. I really want to kind of pick your brain today a little bit, because I know the people listening would really value your insights, your experiences, your positive ones and not so positive ones, and just your candor. So um, yeah. yeah, so I think a good way of starting off is Obviously, you were a model for quite a few years. Can we talk about how that all started, how you discovered and your experiences just briefly? Yeah, of course. So I grew up in a very small town in the middle of Texas where there's really nothing going on. Um, And I actually I hit six foot two at 13 years old. I come from a very tall family. Yeah, (laughs) I was a strange kid, like just limbs everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. And I was a tomboy. So I'd always play outside and like, I definitely didn't wash my hair or anything. And I think I was in junior high and I brushed my hair for the first time. And immediately everyone in my, my little town was like, oh my gosh, you have to be a model. And I'm like, wait, what? Like here I am playing with bugs. Um, <laughs> and so I, I kind of like played with the idea a little bit, but didn't take it too terribly seriously until I got into high school. And there was a a male model in my class who he was a couple grades older and he was so cute. He was so nice. And he, he was like, I want to take you to my agency. And I was like, you can take me anywhere. <laughs> it's like this dorky freshman with braces and like, and didn't have any sort of cool factor about me at all. Um, and so we went into the agency. They liked me. They signed me pretty quickly. Um, and then I started traveling internationally pretty much the next summer. So then I started my, my full 10-year career as an international model. Cool. What kind of places have you been to? So I started out going to Milan in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hopped around Europe mostly. So I went to London, Paris. Um, you know, I, my my mother agent ended up being in Hamburg, Germany, which was lovely. I, yeah. I never thought of any sort of fashion capitals being in Germany, but my goodness. Hamburg's I lovely. It it's a lovely city. It's so nice. Yeah. It's so yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, all over, all over Europe, major markets, I, I bounced around quite a bit and then I made my way over to New York. (laughs) Yes. So what were your most, um, fun projects as a model? Any kind of spring to mind? Yeah. You know, (laughs) the first one that pops to mind is a Cutler and Gross campaign. This is a sunglasses company and they, my agency called me up. This is out of New York. And they're like, are you okay with snakes? And again, growing up in the country, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with snakes. What do you mean? And so I ended up going and they had this big boa constructor that they like wrapped around my neck for this photo shoot. And I'm really glad that I have like a cool kind of calm exterior because I was like, I was panicking a little bit on the inside, um, but it was, it was so cool. They, they ended up like the pictures turned out lovely. Um, 
the guy, the male model on set, he was definitely more afraid than I was. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. It was a beautiful, beautiful animal. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, look, a, a lot of what I want to do today with you is kind of explore the kind of the, the highs and lows and like sort of, because a lot of people have an idea of modeling. Mm-hmm. And what you're, what I like about you is like you're very open about the the dark side as well as like the light side. So I definitely want to explore that mm-hmm. with you next. So let's talk about the, the the more positive, fun things first. Like, what would you say you loved about modeling the most? So I loved that it gave me the opportunity to figure out who I am. You know, traveling internationally at such a young age. I I was able to, yeah, I was just able to play a little bit and every day I could wake up and really just choose who I wanted to be. And I'm incredibly introverted, especially as a child. So it was, it was a fun experiment to be like, you know, today I want to be spicy. (laughs) And so I go out (laughs) and like just embody somebody who, who was different than I was and engage in different types of conversations, experience different cultures, different insights from people who I would have never met otherwise, Of course, um, yeah. both within the industry, but a lot of people just in my life while I was traveling. And it was actually really lovely to see the humility behind a lot of the people I was interacting with. Um, you know, as a young person traveling by yourself, you find, you know, you have a friend who has a family and then they invite you over for dinner and they kind of take you under their wing a little bit. And it's just such a lovely feeling to know that there are people out there who do care so much and who do want the best for you and want to mm. show you a good experience and yeah it's it's really lovely the humility that's aspect to hear. of that's it nice is nice to hear that's mm-hmm. nice to hear how about how about stuff you didn't like so there's there's a little bit that I did not love um mm. again less about the actual industry and more about the lifestyle that you have to live in order to live this life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whenever, whenever you become a model, everything changes. Uh, people view you differently. Your friends that you grew up with now introduce you as, Oh, this is Sarah, the model, you know, it's no longer, this is Sarah. There's got this, this identity attached to you and people have assumptions of what that is. And what do you you think people's assumptions are? That, our lives are luxurious and wonderful and we're just, we're celebrities and we're making all of the money and we're, you know, living a dream. Um, and I understand why they believe that we're living a dream because it's our job to sell them this dream, but the reality yeah. is really very, very different. Um, so that was always a challenge for me, uh, especially getting started in the industry not feeling like my peers necessarily understood um, really who I was. Did you get, did you find people were getting like jealous or resentful? I didn't really have much resentment or jealousy as much as actually the opposite. I feel like once I became a model, I went from being the nerd, the weird kid who, again, very tall, Mm -hmm. very lanky, like didn't know how to control my body, like kind of an outsider to everybody wanting to be my friend. And I'm like, okay. I've known you for my entire life, and you've been mean to me this whole time. Like it was, it was uh, okay, an interesting contrast. Okay, very yeah. much so. Yeah, it's like, oh, now that I am seen as cool, but you're still society, the same person. I'm the same person. Yeah. I'm okay. still the geek. Yeah, and it was it was an interesting kind of dynamic. But thankfully, the friends that I did have as a kid, um, they did stick by me a lot. And you know, we were all theater kids, so they allowed me to just kind of like play <laughs> and still be myself. So. Yeah, it wasn't, it, we didn't have too many 
separations within my friend group, which was nice. And within, as your time as a model, do you have any times or experiences you're sort of willing to talk about or share, which were pretty like not so cool, which you think other people can learn from? Yeah. So another big factor that I don't necessarily love about modeling, um, especially whenever you're doing it internationally or in a new market, is there are there are predators. Um, you know, we have with the Me Too movement, we have conversations about like photographers and such. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of predators just right on the outskirts of the industry that are targeting models. Um, so there's something called a promoter, which I think everybody who's wanting to become a model needs to be aware of and realize that they're dangerous. Um, they will mm-hmm. front as friends. They will, you know, offer you cool opportunities like going and getting a free meal at a fancy restaurant or go to a club or go to Ibiza to party. You know, they'll have these opportunities that are very exciting and very easy to, you know, want to do as a model, especially because you hear other models talking about these same sort of things. Um, but often that's a front and usually, and a lot, a lot of situations, whenever you do go to these sort of like establishments and you, you enter this kind of fun space, uh, you don't realize that there are people there who are ready and willing to exploit you. Um, and it can be extremely dangerous in a number of different facets. And, you know, I, I unfortunately experienced some of these situations and it's something that I've had to deal with for the rest of my life. And I will continue to have to manage and, you know, heal from, and it's hard. It's something to be very mindful of. Yeah, no, of, of course. Um, I think the only way really is like having knowledge, you know, like coming Mm -hmm. in, not being, having, not being cynical, but having your eyes wide open to the experience yes it's the only way really to protect you and I just think it's hard because it's it's hard enough just being alive people kind of take advantage but when you're young it's you don't really know yourself no matter how sassy you are as a 17 year old or 18 year old you're still a kid yeah and like yeah promoters and stuff that some people are very good at manipulating and when people are charismatic and they know people and they and they walk and talk the right way, it can be quite easily kind of duped into feeling that, hey, this person's my friend, they're helping me, but mm-hmm. they're treating you as a product or they're, they're yeah. using you. And I think I think it is helpful to just to remind, remind yourself of that. It's like to, to other people, they may be treating you as a friend, but they're actually trying, they're doing it for a reason. And I think mm-hmm. if, you start, if you think like that, it protects you a little bit more. Yeah. And having that awareness is difficult, especially whenever you yeah. are going into, you know, a modeling setup where you're it's being new, told it? it's all new. You're, you don't know yeah. who you are yet. You know, you're trying to figure yeah. things out. You feel like an adult for the first time, which is kind of empowering. So you're making yeah. these really cool decisions. Now people are giving you all these amazing, cool opportunities, like, of course, but also in terms of like your relationship with your agency, you know, it's, um, you are told the day before what you're doing the next day. So everything is on the fly. Everything is last minute. You have to present yourself however they want you to present yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's a really important dynamic and, and conversation to have with your agency, but it's always a situation where you're trying to come across as cool and successful and like that, you know, what everything that you're like, you, you, you know, it all right. Like you yeah. have to come across in this way. So, um, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, how do I say this? It's difficult to look at your agency 
and the dynamic you have as a professional model and say, oh, I can be molded and guided and have things provided for me that I don't have to think about it. Like everything is handled. Everything is safe. Everything is good. So I can trust this process. And you do. And you just came from home where your parents did that for you, right? They provided that support. So now it's your agency. And now you're looking at a promoter and you're like, oh, this is the same setup, right? This makes sense. I can trust that. I can support. They've done this before. I've heard of other models, you know, like this is safe, but it's not. Promoters are not safe. Agencies are. Now, sometimes there's an intermixing between these two and that, that is another conversation, you know, like, um, it definitely goes more towards creating a proper relationship with your agency and trusting your gut within that relationship to see whether or not that is generally an established agency is usually a pretty safe bet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now what's interesting about you, you've been a booker as well. How how did that come Mm -hmm. out? So I actually, at 24, I aged out (laughs) in New York city. (laughs) I was informed I was too old, too tall, and I had gained an inch on my hips Oh. And so I was too big uh, for the modeling industry. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> uh-huh. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. It's wild. And I'm an ectomorph body type, so I never had to like fit into this body. It just ha- was how I've always yeah. been. Um, so that was the first time where like my body shape was not appropriate and was an issue. And it was really damaging for me. I was just like, whoa, wait, what? And uh, But yeah, I was informed that because of these three issues, I was no longer capable of being a model. So I left that. And I then, my mother agent from Hamburg, he was in New York City and he was like, oh, I'm coming in. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, he's going to think I, I look terrible. Like I, I feel terrible. I'm, I'm just going to ghost him. <laughs> and then I quite literally and physically ran into him on the street in Canal Street. And uh, I'm like, okay, I guess I can't ignore you now. So we went and had a <laughs> conversation uh, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, you don't seem happy. I told him I wasn't. And he was like, I think you should be an agent. And I said, no. Absolutely not. No, I don't want to be that person to, to tell people they're not good enough or to crush their dreams. Like that is not the person I, I want to be in this life. And he was like, I think that's exactly why you'd be great. And so I sat with it for honestly a couple of months. Like it was hard for me to kind of pull that trigger, but eventually I did, I made up a resume and he was able to connect me to an agency that he is really like connected with. Um, I went in for an interview. They asked me if I wanted to work with boys and I'm like, I never thought about that before. <laughs> I had only ever thought about working with female models, but I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. And oh my gosh, whenever I tell you, I loved my boys so much. And it was such a pleasant experience learning the the back end, the, the agent side of it. Because there's a lot of things that I thought that I understood whenever I was a model. And, you know, having that additional education so showed me was, just how little big, we're... What were the big things you've learned being a booker then? So, I mean, simple things like terminology all the way through to, you know, how relationships with your agents really are so impactful, how your relationships with the clients are impactful. Like if I were to become a model after my experience as an agent, I feel like I would have been so much more successful Um, because as a model, you think it's just a job, right? You show up, you do, Mm. you do the gig, you know, it's, it's like checking off boxes almost. Um, But what's actually really beneficial is not seeing it as a box, but seeing it really as an opportunity to build those relationships, have those connections, have fun, be yourself, be personable, like use each opportunity as a way for you to grow in some way. 
And if you can grow alongside of others within the industry, then that's only going to create a bigger, better foundation for yourself to jump off of. Nice. Nice. So tell me about, because you, you're not a booker anymore. You, you found it no. model kind. I have, please, yes. Please tell me about this. I love the concept, but please share with our listeners what, what the yeah. idea behind model kind is and where you see it going. Yeah. So model kind is a platform that I've been trying to put together for a little while now. And being an agent showed me a lot of things. The reason I became an agent was because I really wanted to be able to help advise models in the ways that we need that, Mm. you know, give them the support that is necessary. And I thought by becoming an agent, I could do that. And in some ways I was able to do that. Absolutely. But an agent has to be wonderful with their clients as well as wonderful with their models And really, my focus is just making sure that the models are good. I don't want to have to be negotiating rates or, you know, rubbing shoulders with clients necessarily. Like, I just want to make sure my models are good so that they can go out and they can make the impressions they need to make. They can go in with confidence. They can go in with understanding and education to then book the jobs that they want to book. So Model Kind is a platform for that where I am now really putting focus on the education Um, I'm doing some coaching now one-on-one to help models navigate through these experiences because as a model too, it's extremely, yeah, it's extremely difficult to kind of rely on your agent for those insights Um, again, because you have to feel like you're, you're presenting yourself and you're real cool and you're successful and like, you know, it all. And, and so going in and being like, I don't know what an option means. (laughs) Like that just seems like such a silly question and a really kind of embarrassing thing to have to confide into an agent. So I'm that person. I'm not yeah, they can be completely honest with you. Yeah, yep. yeah. no, agreed. Yep. You do have to have a little bit of a front of your agent. And if you're feeling really vulnerable, even though it's obviously very trendy and important to be vulnerable in the world, sometimes in the business setting, it's not a good idea to show your vulnerabilities. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, you're holding your cards close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with me, anything you got, anything you're confused by, just let me know. And I want to help <laughs> you navigate through it because I, I, I get it. I really, really get it. I love that you're doing that. It's really good. And you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, because obviously you like helping models and it's you can see yeah. that more your social media. So I want to pick your brain a little bit to, for our listeners mm-hmm. who are quite new to modeling. There's just a yes. few things I want to ask you just to help help them, basically. Um, Perfect. First of all, and it's quite a weird question, but if you want to be a fashion model, like what, what should you do? Do you just wait around until someone spots you or <laughs> do, you, do you move to New York? What do you do if you if you like, no. they're listening to you and they're like, my God, I want to. I want to see if I can do that. How mm-hmm. do you go about going to the next stage to see if it's viable or not? So first off, you want to create digitals for yourself. This is a very simple picture against a clean wall, simple clothing, no makeup, very little posing. Uh, you can go on Google and, and find different different examples of this or even just go to agency websites and see their examples and pull from mm-hmm. that. Um, this is all you need. You can take these off of your phone an old digital camera, you know, you do not need a professional photographer. You do not need to be spending any money. Yes. You do. Please do not spend your money. Um, these pictures will then be sent to agencies. So all agencies will have an application process on their website. You can also give them a call to see if you can maybe speak to somebody directly or get a direct email if possible. Um, but either of these, any of these steps are going to be fine. That way you can have them, View, view your pictures. Uh, if you do have a social media, which like everybody has social media these days, start maybe catering it in a way where an agent would look at it and go, ooh, they're a model, right? Well, so, agents do that nowadays. Like five years ago, it wasn't a big deal. But now it's, you know, if you have it, it, it makes sense to use it. 
in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Well, the jobs are definitely catered now towards social media presence. So mm-hmm. most castings that you go to nowadays, they will ask for your handle and they will look at your followers. They'll look at the aesthetic that you have there. Um, it's a great way for you to show your personality because your portfolio, your model's book will have your professional images, but your, your Instagram, your social media will be where they can get a good idea of who they're going to be inviting to set. And if that person is somebody they want to spend hours with. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, making sure that your, your Instagram, your social media is good when you're submitting yourself to agencies. If you have your socials on private, it's worth potentially making them public for the moment, unless you're underage, that's a conversation you need to have with your parents and your family. Um, but this way the agency can just very quickly kind of go see who you are. And if they're interested, then they'll reach out to you. Um, before COVID, there was a thing called open calls that you could go to. They're few and far between now, depending on where you are in the world, they may be available. Um, but that's a good way to kind of have your face seen in front of an agency too. And how about for people listening who are panicking because they're not six foot two? Mm-hmm. What happened? You know, is it? I mean, what would you, what do you think about height nowadays? Like how for the types of modeling, how, how essential is it to be a certain height, and what height do you need to be? So it is still important. Mm-hmm. Um, most reputable agencies will take models, female models between five eight and five eleven. Now, again, I'm six foot two, and I am technically too tall for every single market in the world. But I just kind of lied, like the agencies helped me lie and say I was 5'11 and a half so that clients wouldn't see me and meet me. And a lot of them knew as soon as I walked in, especially because you wear heels to castings, that I was not 5'11 and a half. And so they didn't book me. But then you did have the... Yeah, I know who, a lot of models who say they're five eleven and a half, and they're just towering over me. I was like, "There's no way you're that tall." But, yeah, uh, but same. Yeah, I know but, a lot of girls who are five seven. Mm-hmm. Tra- I just trained uh, Georgia Jagger this morning. She's mm-hmm. five, seven, mm-hmm. five six. Yeah. Five, six. So you can Not you can five, fudge eight. it a little you can, bit. You can always get around it. You know, yeah, a little bit. But yeah. if you're if you're five two, for instance, well, then that's going to be a different situation for fashion. For fashion, but, yes. But with the rise of Instagram, there are other routes if you, Absolutely. If you want to, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, you can... another question for you. Sorry, didn't interrupt. No, 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 that's okay. Go <laughs> okay. for it. Um, if, you get an appro- if you get approached by an agent or booker, mm-hmm. say, I know you're on a beach somewhere and someone comes up to you, oh, my God, you should be a model. I'm an agent, I'm a booker. How do you know if they're legit or they're being, or if they're just being seedy? How, how, how do you, what do you do? What would you do? First, I'll, yeah, first I'll give you a card. Mm-hmm. Like if they, if they don't give you a business card, well, that's red flag number one. Um, they'll give you a business card, go to the agency, check it out. Um, just really get a good vibe of whether or not you think it's legitimate. Call the agency up and ask if this person works for them. Great. Really good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to make sure, cause there are people who will lie and then you sign up with them. They'll ask you for a lot of money. They'll, you know, yeah. maybe influence you to take pictures that you're not wanting or willing to take. And it, it can just be a really bad situation. So always, it's no skin off our teeth as an agency to tell you whether or not somebody works there. And this is why this advice is so useful. Just doing these few things just to protect yourself can stop mm-hmm. a whole kind of world of pain. Absolutely. You know, just by being really on the ball. Okay. Um, I want to talk about relationships with, with bookers and agents mm-hmm. managers how would you recommend fostering 
the most kind of professional and the best kind of relationship between your, your agents and your bookers? What, what should you do as a model? It's all about communication. And especially whenever you first get started, it's very easy to be maybe a little bit intimidated by how professional the business stance is. And you don't feel yeah. like a professional. You feel a little bit like an imposter. And it's so, so quick. And I think when you go to an agency, it's phones are yeah. ringing and it's like, go, go, go. Everybody's busy. Yeah. yeah. But especially in the beginning, it's really important to, you know, kind of meditate if you need to get yourself together go in with confidence and understand that they gave you a contract because they want to work with you. They have chosen to work with you. They see hundreds, thousands of models and they picked you to be on their board. Mm. So understanding that alone is really powerful, but also too, especially if you are working with one of these very big, very reputable agencies where whenever you do go in, they're like going a million miles an hour give them a call, shoot them an email and tell them that you would like to have a conversation with them and actually arrange a meeting. That way they can go through their schedule, figure out when they're free. You can go to a private office. Most agencies will have private offices and then you can have a chat and you can ask them questions um, and, and have proper conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Instilling this early on is great because that's the foundation that you then build a relationship on that you can then, if things go wrong or if there are issues, challenges, you know, exciting things even happening, then you feel like you can actually rely on this person and you can, you can have that relationship with them. And that's so important as a career person, you know, business person. Yeah. I'm pleased you said that really good advice, but I think what you said at the end as a business person, I think the more you see yourself as a business person and your, your image, is also like uh, your product in a way. It's not you, it's mm-hmm. just the product. So the mm-hmm. way you look might be really trendy right now. It might be out of fashion next year, but you're still you. And to slightly, mm-hmm. I always sort of try and tell models to slightly uh, disassociate slightly. Otherwise you're going to go on an emotional roller coaster. You know, Absolutely. Like, like you, Absolutely. When, when you were told you were too tall or too old. At 24, you're not too old for anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're not less beautiful or less talented that the moment you get dumped for an agency. It just means that agency didn't, you know, you kind of outgrew that experience. And you can't yeah. let it affect your own self-esteem or your self-worth. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to feel miserable. Yeah. And it's definitely much harder to say than, than to put into action. But if you yeah, can true. kind of disconnect I think it's so important, if, if at all possible, to have other things in your life that you are passionate about, that bring you joy, that are not tied to this industry. Mm. Because it's, it's so easy to just kind of let being a model just completely consume you, right? Yeah. And it is, it's important to know that agencies are businesses. They only see things business-wise. Numbers, clients, strategy, that's all them. And models oftentimes do come in as emotional beings because like our image is us. Like we can't detach from who we are. Like this is my skin. I can't change that. So it is, it does feel very personal, but creating um, a kind of separation where it's like, okay, I'm getting paid for my image for this. Cool. That's my job. That's my business. But then having something else. Okay. I'm really interested in psychology. So I'm doing my studies. That's something that brings me joy yeah. that brings me excitement that's building for a future for myself like that's something that's important to me that if my image goes out of out of fashion next year i've still got myself yes that they can't take away from me and this is something that 
I personally like say, do as I say and not as I did because <laughs> I didn't do that. And, you know, I reap the, I, I, I had repercussions from that. Um, so yes, if you are starting this industry, please, please try to hold a sense of yourself within, um, you know, something that's not attached to your image. It's extremely important. Uh, it's something I try and do from an exercise angle, actually, because obviously I get employed by lots of models and, and agents who want me to get models in shape for campaigns and shoots. And if I just did exercises and did things just so they got their measurements and they, you know, burnt calories and nothing else, then all I'm doing is reducing their body to a piece of meat like anything else. But mm-hmm. when you exercise, you have an opportunity to actually learn how to kickbox, learn how to do a pull-up, learn how to do ballet, and learn how to do weapons training. We, we do all yeah. kinds of things with our models. Oh, that and then, so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. And then we get, obviously, we get the measurements they need because there's no point yeah. being really good at boxing, but you're, you, know, you haven't got the right measurements. But we get that. But it means if they don't get the job or if they do regardless they don't see their body their body just as a as an ornament it's also an instrument yeah it's a tool and and it fosters a really good yeah it's a tool of expression and it's then Mm -hmm. it fosters a a better relationship so yeah with methodology x we very much try to do that get people the bodies they need for modeling but do it in a way where people feel like athletes and then Mm -hmm. you know that's what got me kind of switched on to the psychology and the the body image side of things and why I like talking to people like you and I want people like you on the podcast because uh, it fits in with the ethos of what we believe in as a company. Yeah, I will say I love the fact that you're training people to be athletes and not just trying to have them fit into a mold. Um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for you for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. One more question regarding, well, quite a few more questions. From what you've known now, you've been through a lot and as a booker as well and traveling all over the world, what is the one bit of advice you wish you could give yourself when you were, how old were you, 15, 16 when you started? I started whenever I was 14. 14. Mm-hmm. One bit of advice. I know I'm sure there's many things you'd say to yourself, but. I mean, honestly, it kind of stems to what we were just talking about. Like, don't lose yourself. Hmm. Like, hold, hold on to something that is always true to you. And don't be willing to give it away in order to appease somebody else's dream of you. Like you said, it's easier said than done because at 14, you're still trying to figure stuff out, aren't you? Yeah. 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 But maybe I could tell myself at 14 and then again at 15 and then again okay. at 16, like just keep it as a running theme until I finally figure it out. Because, yeah. And realistically, I don't know if, you know, while traveling internationally, living out of suitcases, being financially insecure because of the the situation with rates with high fashion specifically. Um, Ooh, you know, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about money. Uh, Cause everyone yeah. assumes models are completely loaded and it's like, you know, big numbers, but it's uh, it's a bit, it's a bit more nuanced than that, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So you have different types of modeling, right? Mm-hmm. So you have commercial models, fit, e-com uh, and high fashion. And it's, interesting because you know i thought this way too i thought that if i walked down major designers runways or shot for very big brand uh like big magazines that i would be making a lot of money everybody did. Yeah. and um what i've learned is especially with high fashion it's kind of seen as an image booster And the idea is if you have a big image, then that will be profitable for you for the rest of your career. So that is kind of payment enough 
Um, so they won't necessarily actually give you a financial um, mm. compensation for that. Yeah. And if they do, it's usually very, very low. Um, like I would make more if I was going and waiting tables kind of low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do, like I said, you have other different types of modeling, you know, commercial is definitely different fit, e-com, unrecognizable. So it's like the, the more you get away from like the prestigious type of modeling jobs, the more money yeah. you actually make. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the most money I made, um, well, one of like my biggest paycheck in the beginning part of my career was for Lidl. <laughs> do you know Lidl? Yeah. It's like yeah. the, the food store. Uh, they were doing a line for pantyhose. And so I just, they, they were so sweet. They, I showed up and they put me in this big fluffy robe and they gave me a cappuccino and, you know, going from high fashion where they're just like, sit over there. You know? yeah. I was like, Ooh, this is privileged. Like, I'm, I'm so lucky. Like they're so nice. And I had these stockings on and I was just like wiggling my feet, just like to and fro for literally like maybe an hour. And I got paid more money for that job than I had accumulated so far in my career. So I've heard this so many times. I've got so many clients mm-hmm. who did the they did the Vogue, the Vogue covers and the high fashion stuff, and then when they got mm-hmm. into their like late twenties and early and early thirties, were doing like um, face of Target or the face, you know, yeah. big campaigns, and then we got so much money, <laughs> like so much way more, more way more. Uh, but you're yeah. right; it's like a, it's a balance. Like it didn't seem as cool, but I think when you've been modeling for a while, you don't really. I think after the first couple of years, you don't really care as much about what's cool because you you see what it's like and you're just living your life. It's not about mm-hmm. the external image. And you just kind of, you know, it's nice to get paid, right, if you're doing a good job. And also you get better yeah. as a model as you get older. You know, it's it's weird because in other careers, in my career or just like any other kind of normal job, a banker, insurance person, accountant, you tend to make more money as years go on. But yeah. with, with modelling, the same as acting, it's uh, – it's, it's tricky because you might have this massive job and you might get loads and then nothing. And, and you also, you've got a window, a bit like an athlete has a window. Mm-hmm. When an athlete hits like 32, 33, it's gone for high fashion modeling. The window is very small for commercial. Yes. It's a bit wider, but you kind of have to make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely. You were saying about having other things you're interested in is so important because if all you do is throw yourself into modeling, then you hit, I don't know, 25 or something. And then, you don't have a degree, you don't have qualifications, and you don't even know what what area to go in. And yeah. you've got maybe a tiny bit of savings left over. Maybe. Self-esteem is on the floor because you've just been dumped by an agency. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Society sees you on a pedestal. You do not feel like you're on yeah. a pedestal. Um, you know, everybody that you grew up with is like getting out of college, starting careers, starting families, buying a house. And it's like, you feel, I felt like a failure. At that point. Yeah. And, you know, mental health is a huge issue within the modeling industry, especially at the end of your career, because like you're an independent contractor, which is an, another important thing to know. An independent contractor means that you do not get the same sort of benefits that you would get if you were an employee. So yes. health insurance, I mean, salary obviously is a given HR, you know, things that you would you would kind of expect from a normal job. You don't have access to whenever you're a model. So a lot of models, especially with the financial insecurity don't have access to mental health uh, support because it's out of their own funds. And uh, yeah, towards the end of the career can be really challenging. And, um, you know, you see a lot of models having mental illness or, you know, going through extremely, extremely challenging things. And, you know, there are people who can't handle it, if you know Mm. what I mean. Um, So it's hard. It's a really hard place to be. This leads into kind of, kind of two conversations, really. One is, which I kind of touched upon earlier, as a model, you are 
a, a brand a business so the more you mm-hmm. understand the more you kind of see yourself as that I think the more helpful it is and if you actually sort of study business as it were um it's actually the same stuff you have to understand about cash flow you understand about budgeting you understand mm-hmm. about branding and marketing the same things if you run nike or brand is the same for running yourself as a model and you can actually learn yes. from the business side of things and i like that one of the things you do with model kind is that you really help people you help people in new models but also models coming towards the end of the career kind mm-hmm. of figure out stuff and it's that's so important it's not really talked about that much yeah, it's incredibly important, you know. So in what ways, you, you know, you've got a good insight into the industry. In what ways have you seen the fashion industry and the modeling industry, you know, linked change over the last 10, 15 years? There's been a lot of change, you know. Um, you know, understanding the, the the business side of it, too, and how things change and how, you know, you may be right for one season and then not so much for the next. I kind of fit into this perfect little category for my 10 year career where, you know, the super tall white chick was, was all the rage, you know, and that's not the case anymore, which like I, I could be like, Oh no, but I'm actually just really excited about it because we are opening up into a space where diversity is becoming more of a, a norm, you know, with body shapes, color, like sizes, everything, um, age. And so it's really exciting to see. And that is something whenever I was an agent, you know, I always thought I was like, oh, well, the, cl- the clients can't have people of diverse, like that are diverse because the agents don't have anybody that's diverse. And whenever I was an agent, I realized that it's actually the social pressures with the clients that makes the clients reach out to the agency saying we need diversity. And that mm. kind of gives the agency permission to go, okay, here we go. And then run out yeah. and try to find as many people that they can who do fit these diversity standards. Um, so it was really exciting to see kind of the boom happen as an agent mm. where I'm just like, yes, we're bringing in all of these new talent. Everybody's so cool. Like it's such an exciting thing to see. Um, I'm also really excited to see the shifts with sustainability happening within the fashion industry. I'm really yeah. curious actually to see how with w- whenever COVID lightens up, how companies have been restructuring in this time. Cause I know mm. right before COVID we were having a, a big conversation about global climate uh, warming and everything. Fast fashion so, and yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just all of, all of the things like from start to beginning, there's a lot of, of issues within it. So I'm really hopeful that this is given, I mean, it's given all of us time to kind of pause and readjust. So I'm really hoping that companies right. and brands have done the same and have realigned or are in the process of realigning to more sustainability. Um, well, there's more, there's more kind of demand for it now i think mm-hmm. more generally i think one of the benefits of the rise of social media is that people are more political in a way mm-hmm. they, if they're not happy about well, look at look what happened to victoria's secret and how much that brand kind of died because it was a bit mm-hmm. too low and fenty beauty just kind of like took off because it was very inclusive it's like mm-hmm. brands sort of die and get born very quickly nowadays because there's it's very powerful voice that the masses on social media is very powerful and sometimes even though uh, not everyone even though mob mentality isn't always great and not all the ideas are not all the woke ideas are that well thought out it's still mm-hmm. generally usually comes from relatively good place <laughs> yeah no for sure and the cool thing too with you know the dawn of social media which wasn't a thing whenever i was working in this mm. industry or whenever i started um, is you do have the dawn of the influencer. So if you are yeah. that five, two girl who really wants to model, but agencies like aren't totally like 
yeah. willing to take you on because of their particular clientele, it doesn't mean that you can't become like try the influencer route and do that. Get 50,000 followers and people want to represent you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. it gives you the power as the talent or as the model to be able to work with brands that you actually align with. And yeah. so sustainability brands and such are actually doing really, really well through social. So that's that's something exciting to see as well. Well, also, I mean, it's also made agents and managers and bookers, I think, up their game a little bit because it they are the middle middleman in a way. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people who are models and slash influencers, uh, I know a lot of people I know who are in the fashion industry are getting direct bookings directly mm-hmm. from companies. And they're like, why do I want to give my... 20 percent plus sometimes 30 40 percent to my high fashion agent yes you know so it's uh they have to really prove their worth now which is good in a way mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely because in some ways an agent's wonderful for that if you're not yeah. used to understanding usages and rates it's really good to have your agent make sure that it's all contractually binding that you're not take, yeah. being taken advantage of um and you know that you're still going into a, a good line of work um but at the same time you could make a lot more money sometimes if you do know your your usage and rates and you do you have experience in this industry and your contract with your agency specifically says that they don't have access over your socials, which is important to know. You don't want to get in mm-hmm. any sort of legal trouble with your agencies. Um, then, yeah, it, it is possible that you take that on your own. Um, there are more and more agencies, too, that are not fashion agencies, but that are media agencies that are able to cultivate and build these kind of contracts for you too. So if that is a route that you want to go to, usually modeling agencies and these media agencies work fairly well together. Um, yeah. So it's it's worth looking into that as an option as well if you are getting a lot of inquiries. Good advice. Um, for those of you listening, a friend of mine, Leanne Maskell, wrote the book, The Model Manifesto, and she's now in the legal industry now, and she has lots of chapters all about the legality of model contracts. Mm-hmm. So they should... I should read that. <laughs> Absolutely um, read it. It's a wonderful yeah. book. I've got it. Isn't it? It's a great book. Right yeah. It's, it's a great so good. Book. All right. Um, what else can I, I want to know more about, I want to ask you some fun stuff about you, but I just want to explore a little bit more about model kind actually, because I think it's such okay. a brilliant system. Um, how did you think of the name? It took me a long time, actually. I, I've, was the best just names do. It sounds perfect, but how did I'm interested as a business owner how you came up yeah. with the brand name? Honestly, it just kind of hit me one day. Like I had running lists of all these different ideas. I was talking to different friends, family members, like, ah, tell mm. me what it is, you know. And um it was it was actually a really kind of empowering moment because it came from my own head. You know, it wasn't anybody telling me what it should be. Yeah. It was something that whenever it came out, I'm just like, that's what it's supposed to be. Like it was just clear as day. Um yeah, model kind. It's it, it, it's it, like your models and your kind, which are two things that like I like I resonate with. Mo- like I like that I'm a kind person. I like that people yeah. consider me kind. I like that that's like a main trait that I am able to carry through oh, this it, world. It comes across in spades, really. <laughs> Thank you. But then model kind, like we are a we are a people. We are a group. Yeah. We are we are a community. Mm-hmm. and it's it's not singular it's very much like we're all in this together we all experience similar things and we've got each other's back like we really are a support system so 
I wanted to, I was very excited whenever I'm like, that's what it, that, 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 yeah. that's exactly what that says. That's perfect. No, it's, it's perfect. It is perfect. And if you could just close your eyes and imagine, I know it's so hard to predict, but let's predict like 10, 15 years in the future, what model, what you'd like model kind to be, what would be your biggest dream for, for that, for your brand? I would love for what I'm trying to bring to this industry to be a standard in every major market. I would love for there to be somebody like me. Maybe it's going to be model kind. Maybe <laughs> to basically have like agencies that aren't that are different agencies. Like maybe we come up with a different term for it. But yeah. in these major markets that are those support systems for those models. And I'm really passionate about trying to figure out what people really are talented in outside of their image. Yeah. And I want to be able to connect them with those skills and get get that going for them in in a very communal way so if i have like i don't know five models that are interested in baking then i want to be able to reach out to a brand and be like hey i've got five models interested in baking can we collaborate can we do this and then build those skills um so that whenever they do while they're still modeling they can have like a side hustle they can have a community but they can also have something to fall back on whenever the day comes that they do have to leave the modeling industry fantastic love it yeah all right so let's find out a bit more about you quick fire round i know from your all tiktok right. you're, you're very good at talking quickly you've been talking very calmly <laughs> with me today normally you're like wow this girl talks quick so i want to squeeze it all i, I know like, 20 seconds. seconds it's like jesus like an essay all right quick questions um money no object favorite designer mm. come on quick 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 <sighs> You know, I actually, I really don't. That was one that I was going to be like, ah, I don't actually know. I don't have any favorite designers. I never really cared about fashion. (laughs) That's the wrong answer. (laughs) I know. All right, let's do better next question. I got got plucked out and it's like, oh, you're tall and skinny. This is a world you belong in. I'm just like, ah, I don't understand. You're not not into clothes that much. You're not into. No, I hate shopping. I hate shopping. I've got a weird body. Clothes don't fit me. Fair enough. Next question. Favorite film? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the fifth element oh lilu love it yeah. <laughs> i love that film john paul gautier designed all the outfits I but you wouldn't it, know yeah. that because you hate designers apparently <laughs> <laughs> all right favorite band um uh taylor, it's not a band but taylor swift okay favorite book the power of now oh uh toll uh uh huck toll yeah yeah. Um, favorite Netflix show on at the moment? Ooh, um, um, Hoarders. Ah! <laughs> Hoarders? Is that the one where they get, where people like to store everything in their house? And Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that one just kind of came out. But yeah, Hoarders <laughs> is great. <laughs> I can watch uh, it for, it's so good. It's like, um, uh, you know, so empowering to be able to see these people kind of go through their trauma and like get on the other really side. It's empowering. Just, <laughs> it, it can be sometimes it's also really sad but it is the best kind of reality tv show you're just like sitting there like with a bowl of ice cream like what is gonna happen this is wild um yeah not not what you would have expected but yeah that, no, that was no, the one that came tearing out. down the mask of a glamorous model lifestyle <laughs> you and your ice cream watching hoarders all right any <laughs> secrets any secret talents we should be aware of i can i can shake my eyeballs really fast what 
like that's amazing. I, if I will preface this, if you are like epileptic or anything, please do not watch this. Where's the camera? So like, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it actually. You see it? No? I see your eyelids. Yeah, they're going up and down. I see your eyelids going up and down really quickly. It just shakes a lot. Very, very slightly, yeah. Very, very slightly. I play the saxophone. That's slightly more That's mainstream. more of a talent. <laughs> that, that, that is definitely it's a, bit a, less a weird. cooler talent. A little less weird, yeah. <laughs> definitely not editing that out. All right. Uh, favorite, favorite food? Pizza. Oh, what type? Pe- uh, pepperoni and pineapple on a deep dish. Pepperoni and pineapple together? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> With lots of sauce. Okay. Favorite. In ranch. All right. Settle. Uh, favorite exercise. <laughs> um, I I really enjoy playing volleyball. Oh, it's well, that's easy. That... You just put your hand up and it's, you can block every <laughs> shot, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I love it. It's so much fun. I, I actually really, like, going back, like, I appreciating what you're doing. Like, I like activities. I don't like yeah. just being like, I'm going to go lift some weights i want to go and skip a rope or i'm going to play yeah. volleyball or you know Do go something. play some soccer yeah. with some friends yeah. yeah exactly cool cool all right last question what's the favorite thing or the best thing that's happened to you in the last seven days can i be honest and also a little bit cheesy if you want to be yeah honestly i think it's going to be this podcast this is the first time that i've oh. done one it's the first time I've, I'm oh. speaking about Model Kind to the public in a forum like this. And it's really cool. Um, you know, this last month has been oh, kind of, yeah, it's been kind of wild for me stepping into this realm of being open and honest through social media. And I was very yeah. grateful whenever you... Yeah, you're quite you, new to it. Yeah. I'm very new to this. Um, not new to the knowledge, but new to sharing yeah. it. Um, and so I was really grateful whenever you reached out and like understanding who you are, the experiences that you've had um it feels very empowering to know that people like you are interested in my story and want to share it so this has been lovely oh my pleasure I mean I'm pretty good at sussing people out my job is just getting to know people and understanding people Mm -hmm. right and uh you're very authentic and it comes across and it's clear that you set this up to really help and it's not Mm -hmm. just a way of making money you know, it's clearly yeah. a way of helping. And that, that comes across so obviously. So uh, in my experience, the people who do that, it's just like that they, they shine, you know, so it's my, my absolute pleasure. Yeah. Okay. On that I'm lovely grateful. huggy note, I think we'll finish our podcast before we get any cheesier. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank so how you. can people, how can people follow Model Kind? What are your handles? So currently it's on Instagram. It's my name. So it's Sarah Bledsoe Official. Mm-hmm. Um, and on TikTok, it's model kind coaching. But if you really want to start learning about me, you go to my website. That's going to be themodelkind.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Sure listening would really enjoyed that. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Bye. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I recorded that about three weeks ago. That was Sarah from Model Kind. Thank you again, Sarah. Now, I've been chatting to quite a lot of models and agents, actually, since chatting to Sarah. And I've got a couple of things I want to say just to conclude this episode. Firstly, if you do want to get into modeling and you like the industry, like the idea of it, go for it. There are obviously horror stories. There are obviously sort of success stories. But any job, any industry has its ups and downs and has its high points and low points and things you have to be careful of. Um, 
the main thing is if you want to get into it, go in with open eyes. And if you can, seek out people like Sarah, people like Rebecca Pearson, people who have been there and done that and who are kind of big sisters in the industry and will offer candid and open advice. I think that's really important. Um, a lot of people will say modeling's terrible. It's like you should love yourself. You shouldn't have to change your body to get into, um, you know, like get into fashion week. Well, if you don't want to be a model, that's fine. But if you do want to be a model, then it's kind of that advice isn't that useful. So I think search out people who like modeling who have been modeled for years, as opposed to people who absolutely hate it. And there's a lot of people who hate it. And I totally get that. You know, um, if you're particularly into um being body positive and not changing your body and you hate the idea of the pressure to look a certain way, then well, you're probably not listening to me because you probably hate all personal trainers because our job is to change people's bodies. Uh, but And you probably don't like the fashion model industry because it has a very clear beauty standard. But as does Instagram, that has a clear standard. So does uh, if you want to be on Love Island, that has a clear beauty standard, right? You know, there are, whatever you look at, there are kind of beauty standards. Um, I think accepting that there are different standards in different countries, different cultures, different industries is a more mature way of dealing with it rather than just rejecting one particular standard and going for something else. It's like the strongest and you sexy thing. If you're like, no, I hate being skinny. That's terrible. No, you should be strong and powerful. Well, that's just changing one standard to another. That's not more positive. That's just different. So I think it's best just ignore the many voices about this and just, you know, listen to your heart and think, hey, is this industry look you know, will it fit me? And will my body, is my body kind of close enough that of a bit of training, maybe methodology X can get you there, which is a way which is, you know, not detrimental to your health, but actually adds to your health and adds to your fitness. Okay. Uh, secondly, uh, well, there's a few points I already said. Secondly, I just want to say um, another thing I want to say is about podcasts. Um, I've been listening to quite a lot of podcasts as well. And I think it's really important to to apply a bit of critical reasoning. Now, I talked about this in episode one of the MX podcast, actually, but I think it's worth rehashing. Um, we've all got biases, okay? Um, and anyone who's got a podcast, any kind of platform or an Instagram account, they are imposing their views on the world and their the way they see the world, their worldview is um, every, every kind of piece of advice, every tip is filtered through the prism of their worldview. Now, I'm well aware of this. I definitely have my biases. Um, you should always, before listening to anyone, including me, just think, okay, where is he coming from? So for me, for example, when you do the MX workout, it's full of different kind of like athletic moves. That's because I grew up playing sport and competing in sports, not bodybuilding. If I was a bodybuilder, I probably wouldn't like those kind of exercises. And I just recommend deadlifts and lat pull down and stuff. And, you know, right or wrong, it comes from a bias. So I know my biases in terms of advice I give regarding nutrition. That comes from my experience working with a lot of women with eating disorders. So I'm hypersensitive. And I'd rather girls had a really good relationship with food first and then way down the list, then they had the right amount of calories and uh, they're eating, you know, the right amount of balance of macronutrients and micronutrients, having a nutrient dense diet and all that kind of stuff. That's why I rarely recommend things like um, intermittent fasting, because for me, it reminds me of bulimia and that kind of binge purge. And I've worked with so many girls recovering from that. And, and working with their psychologists and working with eating disorder charities. And it's something I'm quite passionate about that. Anything which resembles like an eating disorder, I kind of go the other way. So that's why sometimes my nutrition plans for models 
um, are a bit more relaxed than other trainers who are like, no, eat this, this, and this, okay? Because I have a bias. So my point is, am I right? Am I wrong? It's irrelevant. I, I have a bias and everyone you listen to has a bias. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you follow on Instagram and Facebook and books you read. And before taking their advice, always think, where are they coming from? Why are they saying this? You know, um, that's all. You know, not to be cynical. It's just good to have an open mind and be, to employ a bit, a bit of critical reasoning before you take any advice on board. All righty. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, next week's episode is a wonderful chat with a wonderful nutritionist, our new in-house nutritionist, Amy Young. So I'll see you next week. I don't know why I'm looking over there because the camera's here. Uh, I'll see you next week. And yeah, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the MX Podcast. All feedback, reviews and social shares are very much appreciated. To find out more about the Methodology X Online Members Club, our award-winning MX Group Fitness Classes, or to join our global family of MX instructors, please visit danrobertsgroup.com.